You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 131 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on the 16th of July. I'm Vince, along with Roger. How are things today, man? Roger and Mabel. You forgot Mabel. (laughs) Well, I didn't think she was going to answer, so. You'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) And and just up front, folks, I am not editing out all of the little scratches, sniffs, and everything, and biting and licking you're going to hear, potentially, because I've got a mutta puppy on my lap here. Just fair warning. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, nobody else gonna, to watch I'm gonna her. I'm going to make right random now. noises just to mess. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into uh, the meat of the episode, can I tell? Them? I'm actually I'm actually surprising you with a pop quiz. Oh no! I want to tell them the big news though. And, uh, we're, we're we're getting to that. We're getting <gasps> to that. Okay. This is as first. long as I can tell them. Yes, and that, <laughs> trust me. I'm I'm well aware. <laughs> All right. Of the proper new 52 comics so not counting the digital firsts or anything like that how many batman or batman related titles can you name can i name yes like four five no geez five or six that's it well we're not counting like talent are we oh yes that's batman related well all right then that's another one I don't know, maybe seven or eight. Okay, well, oh, by my count, two, I have one. 13. And that's 16 if you include Teen Titans, Birds of Prey, and Katana, which... Well, Teen uh, Titans doesn't count. It, Red Robin's leading the team. Yeah, but it's not a... That's like saying that the okay, Justice that, 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 League that's why, is a... That's why a, I put those separate. That's yeah. why I put those separate. But 13 counting Batman or starring, you know, Batman-related characters like Nightwing, Catwoman, etc., Okay. Which represents fully 25% of the new 52. Yeah, but that's it's been that way for a while now where that's always been the majority it's, of Matt it's been Yeah, but it's been getting worse because every time they cancel something, they replace it with something Batman related. Yeah, but that's because they're, 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 they've got titles that are not strong enough to survive and then the sales are poor so they have to cancel so then they go back to the same idea of, well, all that ever sells is a Batman title. So that's why they shove them in there. Well, but this brings I us back th- to the point that they need to abandon the whole 52 concept well, to begin with. Well, there is with. that. But I think what it proves is that um, – like not to insult their their editors or whoever is in charge of making the decisions in terms of what will be coming out, but I think what they have to accept is that they they really need either some new blood making those decisions or I don't know something because the the stuff that they're bringing out as replacements simply are not good engaging titles. That's the problem. It doesn't have to be that the new titles have to be replaced with bad somethings. Mm-hmm. Case case in point, have you even bothered to read the movement or the green team? No, neither have I. I. And you know, I'm always willing to jump out there and you know try something new. I've reached the point with DC where I'm not even trying anymore. Yeah. Well, it depends on what it is. If it's something that will you know grabs my interest enough, sure. But if it's a lot of the same that we're we've already seen recently or seen and seen fail, I'm a lot less likely to invest myself in it. Which goes all the way back to the point that I'd made. Uh, last time we tackled this, which was what they need to start to, whoa, dog, seriously? Whew. 
<laughs> wow. Whew. Okay. Oh my god. I took you out. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> my p- <laughs> I had a point. My point is that they need to start instead of bringing in these brand new series is bringing them out in the form of mini series. And then if that does well, then move on from there. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen that work when they had the Huntress miniseries that then spun off into World's Finest. So, now, World's Finest isn't that good, but the Huntress miniseries actually was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got material they can work with. They've got writers they can work with. They, I don't know, they just need to do better. Mm-hmm. Of course, the reason I bring this up is today they just announced an ongoing Harley Quinn comic. Depending on how it's handled... And who's writing it? And of course, the art team. It it could work. It could it's, do uh, damn well. By Jimmy Palmiotti uh, with art from Amanda Connor. What did I? And the both of them are very good at what they do. And I I always heard great things about their Power Girl comic, though I never read it. So it has hope. But like, like I said, they're just something else was canceled. More Batman. Well, the look at the, I mean Suicide Squad. Best parts of that were Harley. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't anybody else. And Jimmy. Hold on, isn't he? Didn't he just write the uh, "What If" for? Yes, he did. Which yeah, I did I'm actually bringing up later. Fantastic freaking job! No, I'm bringing it up later. <laughs> well, I'm talking first, so we'll see about that. <laughs> Steamroll all over you. Uh, but yeah, no, he he does a fantastic job on things. So I mean, depending on what his uh, his take is on on this character, pff, this might be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, on the subject of new comics, you have something to talk about. Yes, <laughs> the um, the 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 you had sent me the link on Twitter, but I actually hadn't seen it right away. I hadn't gotten to right away, and uh, and so when I finally got to see it, well, my reaction to you in that image was justifiably my immediate reaction to the news. And I'll have to post it in the, the show notes. I still have the picture because I sent the picture to Jim Zub because <laughs> I said, this was my reaction, dude. Everybody knows how huge we are fans of Samurai Jack. Hell, we just talked about that last week. And we've mentioned it on several other podcast episodes as well. And they are finally bringing out a Samurai Jack mini series and it's going to be Jim Zub, the guy who writes Skull Kickers as well as other issues and he's going to be tackling this. And and what's funny is that um when when I I was reading about this, like again, we haven't hidden our love of Samurai Jack and I mean serious man love here. And so like many other series that I'm very partial to, when we see it given to a writer that we're not partial to, that we're not crazy about or that we point blank think is a bad writer, man, it hurts. And it's like, geez, and you're very persnickety about who you would want writing this. And I read that he was writing this and it was like, I could not be happier. I, I, they could have said they were giving it to Remender and I wouldn't have been happier. Seriously. It was like, oh my God. Cause he understands writing good drama from his other series, most of which we actually haven't talked about. And then he understands how to insert comedy And we've seen that done masterfully in Skull Kickers. Like, I'm sure he will make this absolutely incredible. I cannot freaking wait. 
yeah, very, very excited. October cannot come fast enough. So we are actually going to be getting him on the show just for folks who are listening. You're clean. Cut it out. We're going to have him on in like three, four weeks or so. And, uh, well, we'll be planning for that time frame, depending on how busy he is with everything else. But uh, we're going to get him on so that we can talk about what he has planned without spoiling too much and then probably tackle some skull kickers while we're at it too. And I'm seeing about getting some issues as well, some signed issues when they come out so that we could do some giveaways as well. So that'll be neat for our listeners. Yeah. So uh, definitely some stuff for, for everyone to look forward to. Hosts I'm not and listeners you alike. Any. Yeah. You're not getting any signed copies from me. <laughs> Mr. I'm going to a freaking huge con with the awesome writers and artists and not bringing you back anything. Yeah. You ain't getting no signed copies. <laughs> In fact, if you ask him during the show, <laughs> I'm bleeping that shit out. Damn it. I'm going to have to bleep that out. He ain't sending you any. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as for this week's actual discussion, I wanted to take a look at uh, DC's Green Lantern line of comics because, as I've mentioned, after issue 20, which was Jeff John's last issue on Green Lantern, they're kind of doing an X-Men style reboot of the franchise. Not reboot, but, uh, you know, throwing throwing away all the creative teams, bringing in new guys, new blood, new directions, and just taking all of the comics and doing something different with them, which the Green Lantern franchise has sorely needed for quite a while now. Uh First off is uh, Green Lantern, number 21, written by Robert Venditti, who uh, is best known for Exo Manivore, which uh, not very good, but Demon Knights, which I have still been very much enjoying since he took over. Uh, pencils by Billy Tan, inks by Richard Friend, and colors by Alex Sinclair and Tony Avina. Now, I briefly talked about this a uh, couple weeks ago on uh, what we're reading, so I'm actually going to let you talk about this one first. I actually, again, see, this is when, you know, something's, well written and and it's not i know it's not the same writing team but when you read it if you've been away for a little while and you're like okay now i can't wait to read to go back and read what i missed because Mm -hmm. this was freaking awesome and i mean i've talked often about green lantern stuff although not for a while now but in the past i have talked about green lantern stuff and when done properly i enjoy it i i enjoy the scope of what the stories can be that you really don't see in a lot of other series. And for the most part, I enjoy the cast of characters and the potential of an endless cast of characters. You can do whatever you want. Just slap a ring on some Yahoo, boom, he's a new major character kind of thing, which I like because then that, that proves that whoever is writing has got the chops to, to, to handle it. So here we're seeing how they're in deep trouble. Again, not having read quite a few issues Prior to this, this was like, I had no clue what was going on, but it was written well enough that I didn't need to know all the other stuff. It was explained briefly what you needed to know that the the little blue men have gone off the deep end and they're leaving Hal in charge now. Which well, actually, uh, this is a completely different group of little blue men. All of the previous guardians were killed by Sinestro after right. they went off the deep end. And this this was their compatriots who have been imprisoned for several millennia who are now uh taking over where the uh, old guardians left off right okay okay so again i i need to seriously go back and read a bunch of this because if it if it was leading up to something ramping up to something like this i'd like to read it it was it was good the only stuff i didn't like was the ridiculous stuff between him and what's her face um uh, carol carol that was like one two three four 
three pages wasted, in my opinion. Um, well, uh, I kind of at least appreciate that they're getting the two of them apart for a while because they've been doing that same dance of, oh, we can't make the relationship work for years now. Yeah, so, but it's the same it, thing, too, that it's it's – Again, on and off again, on and off again. Enough's enough. Like, we're, well, it, it's, I like them better off than on. So, oh, true. But <laughs> granted, I you know three pages was a bit much, but at least it's putting them in a direction I'm more you know caring about. Yeah, yeah. I it was when you've got this kind of stuff going on here. The scope of what is going on, quite frankly, three pages for lovey dovey crap. No, I'm sorry, but anyways, that notwithstanding. Um, the whole concept too about putting Hal in charge was something that I was like, seriously, uh, it it feels forced for the sake of just putting him in charge, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't as crazy about that. Um, what was done though between him and the other characters, though, I really liked. And then the again, let's get some new blood in. So sending out all of the rings so that we can get the the new characters in that hopefully now we can care about those guys. So. The the stuff with Larfreeze Lar was kind of like a setup for, it felt like the Larfreeze issue, which I didn't read. I don't know if you read it. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I there, don't know if There's that a was, reason it's not in the show notes. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't read that either. So I don't know if that was just a setup. It kind of seemed a little forced, but it does set up again that those four new characters that they've got at the end there. So it was, and, and as opposed to a lot of the time here, you've got characters that are like, we don't want to be here. Okay. Yeah, that was that was hilarious when the rookies so, show up and they're like, "Can we go home now?" Yeah, really. <laughs> Especially because of the, uh, which we didn't see in this one, but we saw in the other one where they're talking about, you know, like this kind of news about what has happened travels fast. The Green Lanterns aren't really seen as heroes anymore. So it was like, yeah, these guys would not want to be associated with this. Just take your damn ring and let me go home. <laughs> all <laughs> so, in all, yeah. it was great. The art was. Freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. um, that, that's that's oh. really a trend running through the at least the three Green Lantern comics. The art was very good in all of them. Yeah. And, and they have to be. I mean, when you're looking at what is being put mm-hmm. on those pages, it has to be something that's insanely dynamic so that you can appreciate the breadth and scope of the story. And, and oh, man, pulled it off with flying colors here. Yeah. The, honestly, the most important person working on any Green Lantern comic, in my opinion, is the colorist. And oh, yeah. across the line, they nailed it. Yeah. No, I agree. But yeah, overall, like for stepping off in a new direction, I, I'm, I'm on board with this. I'll, I'm going to give it a few more issues. I actually read uh, issue 22. And you know, it's moving in a direction that for the first time in a while, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with the Green Lantern franchise. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so moving on to Green Lantern Corps, also written by Robert Venditti, uh, co-scripted by, with Van Jansen, art by Bernard Shang, uh, both pencils and inks, and colors by Marcelo Maiolo. And this one focuses mostly on the least interesting Green Lantern, John Stewart, still going through this whole deal with Fatality, who, like I said, John Stewart has received a single character development over all of his decades, the fact that he blew up a planet and has to deal with it. And he's still... <laughs> dealing with it because you know the last surviving member has been chasing him across the cosmos for ever and I, I honestly couldn't even tell you what happened between the two of them because now she's a star sapphire and in love with him so i missed something but i don't really care enough to go back and find out and here we're in the same boat where once again it's like how many pages wasted with lovey dove crap that eh, come on people seriously this is 
<laughs> you know, the guys are sending off a nuke here and you're going to waste time with this. I didn't feel if mm-hmm. I didn't feel it fit in the story very well. Yeah, I'm really hoping that a lot more of this comic is going to focus on all the other lanterns that we saw here, especially yeah. Salak. Uh, we saw in the uh, Green Lantern that he stepped down as protocol officer with Kilowog taking his job, which I'm sure that's going to be hilarious. Yeah. But now we actually, you know, get you know his reasoning for it and why he's stepping down. Whereas, you know, he was the mouthpiece for the Guardians for centuries. I don't know how long that guy's been there, but forever and. He feels that it's really his responsibility that things got so far out of hand. So, you know, he's stepping down and really taking on, you know, a new role in the Lanterns where now he feels it's his responsibility to find all the other things the Guardians messed up. And that's a story I'm really interested to see him tell. Yes. That was one of the best things in this, actually. That was phenomenal. Him Mm -hmm. and what's her name? The the one who lost her plan. Yeah, Natu. Saronic Natu. So those two, see more of those two, that would be fantastic. Because somewhere in the issues that I never read, uh, Korrigar, which was her home planet and Sinestro's home planet, kind of blew up. Yeah. So she has uh, quite a few motivations as well. Yeah. Yeah, we could have some great stories. And the pairing of the two seemed to be very good, too. I know it was only a few scenes there. Um, Well, actually, just the one scene with several pages, I mean. But the pairing seemed to be very good. I think that if we see more of those two together, it could actually prove to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. And as we saw here, like you said, the the severe mistrust that – the other races have towards the Green Lanterns now. <laughs> and they, they, they actually did play it well where they're going up against a shape-shifting enemy that makes the Green Lanterns seem like the aggressors. And, you know, years ago it would have been, oh, Green Lanterns are here. What do you guys need? But now it's like, oh, the Green Lanterns are here. Stop attacking our people. Stop attacking babies. <laughs> so, so there's definitely a lot of uh, interesting developments. I don't know if I'm going to read this one regularly. Uh, you know, it's maybe something I'll check out, you know grab a couple issues at a time and go back just because there are some elements here that I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, play out. I I don't know how much I'll read of this one, especially if it's going to be mainly Stuart Yeah, it depends on what the bulk of the story yeah. is focusing on. I agree. I agree. All right. Third up, we have Green Lantern New Guardians, written by Justin Jordan, who, goodness, this poor guy has been given some bad jobs by DC. He's been writing Superboy, Team 7, and Deathstroke. <laughs> wow. Uh, pencils by Brad Walker, inks by Andrew Hennessy, and colors by Will Quintana. And since I hate Kyle Rayner, um, you're up. <laughs> okay, then. Um, again, this was one of those where I'm not crazy, but what they're doing with the, uh, again, with Hal being in charge kind of thing, to me, that's, uh, it was it was stupid. Um, but it's providing some interesting opportunity in terms of his interactions with other people. So his interactions with Kyle in regards to their, the decision of the little blue men to ask Rainer basically to be their chaperone and guardian while they are out and about exploring whatever it is that they feel like exploring. So, Rainer wants nothing to do with it and Hal convinces him to, to do it. The the scene with the, the space sharks, though absolutely ridiculous, was so well drawn. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, Rainer is just not an interesting character overall to me. It, most of them are like that. I just, I don't, I can't get behind most of them. And so it's like each of the earth lanterns has one emotion. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, like the four of them together would be a good character. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the stuff with him too, like he, when he's finally convinced he's going to tag along with them, protect him. It's, you find like the the concept of what they find with this remnants of the old universe. Okay, the the concept is interesting, but it just turns out to be a fight with a you know the guardian of the door or the gatekeeper kind well, of thing. So actually, was- that's the part that interested me the most because this is where the the various comics tie together. Because as we've seen across Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern Corps, and New Guardians, the rings are acting up. They're just failing randomly and that's not just the green ones uh, the blues the yellows you know you, you name it and I, I i have to assume that's tied into this anomaly in some way because at the end when the you know the big creature bursts out of the anomaly if you go back to that uh, first little bit of green lantern 21 which was like the you know oh the the the, the you know the future vision this is what's happening that's the same monster they're fighting there so that part of the story is kind of actually what ties the whole Green Lantern line together at this point. Yeah, but that's not what we're seeing here. All we're seeing is they want to go see it. There's a yeah. gatekeeper saying, no, don't go there, and then a fight to see it. They, so, I mean, frankly, I'm not, there's I'm no... I'm not saying that it was good, but no. it, it, as a whole, it it kind of ties it all together if you have been reading the others. And, and then that it, I can appreciate. Again, here's another situation where, like, what comes out of this this remnant of... The past universe. Let that sink in, okay? There's a remnant of the universe before this one. What comes out? A freaking monstrous humanoid type looking thing whose only difference is that, well, he's yellow and he's got weirder ears. Even got the same amount of fingers and thumbs and everything. And I was like, man, little originality. Where's Cthulhu when you need it? (laughs) This is the remnants of a prior universe. It looks very familiar, just a little bigger. All right, so I think we've said all we kind of yeah. need to say there. <laughs> all right, uh, and last up we have Red Lanterns, written by Charles Soule, who has taken over Swamp Thing since Scott Snyder left, and I've been enjoying that. And he's also the writer for the upcoming Superman Wonder Woman comic because, yeah, DC ran out of ideas. <laughs> Artwork by Alessandro Vitti, both uh, inks and pencils, and color by Gabe Eltibe. Yeah, Eltibe sounds good to me. And this one... I have a lot of mixed feelings about this comic. First of all, I'm, I'm going to talk about the art because I, I think overall, like the line work was good, but it was really buried under some very, very heavy inking. Like there was just way too much black blocking out what could have been detail. And I don't know. I just really didn't like the overall appearance of this comic. No, I agree. The I, I wasn't really thrilled about it either. I it, Which was like this was the last one I read actually. Of the four, so I was so blown away from by the other three, and then I read this and was like, yeah. But then I don't know, my expectations were lower for this too because I have read this one periodically. I read it quite a bit initially, and then just a few issues later on. And though I thought it was fairly strong initially, it kind of later on, I really wasn't caring that much. So my expectations of this were pretty low. Mm-hmm. I mean, story wise, though, it makes an interesting point of. Ever since they were first conceived, the whole point of the Red Lanterns was to basically destroy the Green Lantern Corps. And yet every time they end up you know, teaming up to fight the greater threat. 
and Atrocitus has basically finally had enough. And he's like, listen, we keep teaming up with these schmucks. It's let's just get around to killing them finally. So I, I kind of would have been OK with that. But of course, they completely changed direction by sending Guy Gardner in. And well, neither one of us really likes Guy Gardner either. <laughs> Gardner is my least favorite, which is saying a lot when you look at how I th- what I think about the others. So it's like I really have no use for him at all. And I know they're trying to make him seem like the underdog hero here, especially at the end with his little freaking monologue piece of crap thing. And it's like, oh, come on, get over yourself, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and just we kind of have to suspend disbelief that, you know, he could take on Atrocitus toe-to-toe just because he's a little more angry. Oh, he's angry, yeah. He's got some rage in there. <laughs> the things we've seen Atrocitus do in previous comics, I don't think Guy Gardner would really stand much of a chance against him in an actual fight. <laughs> Batman can take freaking Guy Gardner on. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen it. I have the picture. <laughs> With one so, so basically the whole point of this comic is Hal sends Guy in to be basically an undercover agent amongst the Red Lanterns, but Guy kind of snaps, freaks out, and decides he'd rather be the leader of the Red Lanterns. And I'm sorry, that's just not a comic I'm very interested in reading. No. And the whole concept, too, really? Send someone to go put... They've, they've made such a huge deal about getting the ring off before when this happened kind of mm-hmm. thing and all that. And here it's like, you know, go put it on. It'll be cool. We'll just get a blue dude to take it off of you. It'll be yeah, fine. That's no problem. Just yeah, go really. to their home planet and we'll, we'll extract you very easily. Hold on a second now. To become a red, you lose your freaking heart, don't you? If if memory serves. Yes. You lose your heart. The the ring kind of becomes Destroy. Your heart. Yes. Go for it, guy. No, no, really. It'll be okay. <laughs> and you know what? If that had happened to me once, let alone twice, it would take some serious convincing to go through it a third time. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> yeah. And then, as we mentioned, there's also another ongoing, it wasn't like a one-shot or anything, of Larflees. Uh, I don't know who's writing it. I don't know who's drawing it. Because, honestly, I couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy Larflees as a supporting character. I even really liked the Christmas special they did a couple right. years ago. I don't want to read a comic that's solely about Larflees month in and month out. And especially since DC has such a infamous track record with their recent comics, it's going to take someone who I legitimately – multiple someones who I legitimately trust to say, no, this is a really good comic. You should be reading it because I'm I'm not even interested in trying. No, I agree. So sorry, DC, but you you had a couple years where, you know, we were at least willing to try everything you threw at us, but you, that, that goodwill is gone. <laughs> so that's going to wrap up our conversation for this week. So for what we're reading, I'm going to talk about what if Abe, no, I'll, I'll actually let you have that one. <laughs> you are? <laughs> yes. But in its place, uh, I actually briefly uh, mentioned the Batman 66 comic. Uh, it's a digital first comic that they're putting out. Uh, and I have, you know, a certain amount of enjoyment for the old Batman TV series. But I don't know. It didn't work for me in a comic form. Like without the cheesy acting, without the goofy sound effects, it's just not the same. They're just telling an old school story, which is cool, but it it doesn't have the same feeling that, you know, you get watching that old Adam West TV show. Right. I haven't read that yet. Yeah. Uh, Also, Batgirl. I'm really enjoying what they're doing there. Uh, Have you been keeping up with it at all? No. All right. So basically... Barbara at least thinks she killed her brother and 
Commissioner Gordon was there to see it. So now Commissioner Gordon is hunting down Batgirl as the person who murdered his son while obviously still having to maintain a relationship with Barbara. So all the character work they're doing there to the point where Gordon actually takes her to the police gun range and wants to teach her how to shoot a gun, you know, because he feels that she needs to protect herself, you know, and wants her to be as prepared as possible to protect herself. And of course, Barbara, both being a a, a protege of Batman, as well as a victim of a gunshot herself, doesn't want anything to do with, you know, firearms. So seeing that whole scene played out, it was just phenomenally well handled. Hmm. I need to get back into that one. Yeah, it, it it's it's a DC comic I'm voluntarily reading. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. God, I almost hate myself for this. But after Image Expo, when they were talking about all the big stuff coming up, I actually checked out the latest issue of The Walking Dead, uh, 112, which is leading to their big, you know, all-out war thing that they've been building up to. God, this was so bad. <laughs> and, and it all boils down to one little interaction between Rick and the the main bad guy, Negan. Rick comes back to find Negan was waiting for him at the town and killed one of the townsfolk. So Rick is not very happy about that. So you know, he's yelling and you know, doing his stuff. And Negan just sits there and he's like, <laughs> first of all, he says, I'm not going to curse so that you know just how serious I am. <laughs> Three panels later, he's cursing. <laughs> not only that, but after that, he says, I'm actually not even going to talk until you apologize to me. Two panels later, he's talking again without an apology. So it's like, it just, it was so poorly written. It was like, come on, Kirkman, you're better than this. I actually have the issues and I have not read, damn, I haven't read, I think, three, the last three, two or three. It's just, I, I pick it up, I look at it and go, uh, no, there's something else to read. And, you know, for a while now, we've been talking about how the story was moving kind of in a, in an awkward direction and it wasn't working out, but this was just legitimately bad writing. Hmm. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Next up, astonishing X-Men. I I've been reading this ever since they did that big crossover with uh, age of apocalypse and uh, extreme X-Men, because like I said, they're building on that storyline of how Bobby has a piece of the death seed embedded in his body. And it has just been a, blast my god this has been really good I didn't read the he's, last he's one. gone insane the entire world is in threat of freezing over at this point giant Iceman, you know automatons are rampaging through new york city it's ridiculous okay i definitely need to read that yeah <laughs> i think i'm either i mean i th- actually i think i'm too behind that i have to read for that one because 62 was the first one after the crossover which is right. when i started reading it right Okay. All right. And then my last one was what if AVX. So since you're going to cry, if I don't let you talk about that, you can talk about that one. That's not nice. Jeez, you don't have to be so mean to me all the time. Um, (laughs) This is what AVX should have been. (laughs) Yes. This is it. This is, I mean, Palmiotti does a phenomenal job here. And the art is obviously insane too. But I mean, when you're thinking about the scope of what they're trying to what what is going to be happening here with the Phoenix Force coming? And we always knew that. And and, it, and again, they tried to make it seem that way, although far too often it felt just plain forced in the actual series. Here, the writers always have so much more wiggle room to play with the idea and to do something that you wouldn't see in 
an actual canon story. And because of that, you wind up getting something that often feels much more realistic, true to what mm-hmm. it actually should be. And so here you're seeing a lot of the similar things where the Avengers are want to get their hands on hope kind of thing and head over to Utopia. But things go real bad real fast with the people you'd expect it to be going real bad real fast with. I mean, <laughs> Magneto's full of himself, gets a hold of freaking Spider-Woman with the, the all the stuff around her neck holding her in place. So he's a loose cannon. And then the Wolverine and Namor. I mean, these are the ones that would be starting a fight. And then the shot where his claws go through Storm. Holy crap was that ever amazing yeah just brutal so i mean again this is this is what would have had me um picking up each issue of avx excitedly waiting for to see what was going to be happening this was mm-hmm. yeah i i this was great <laughs> see, i've always loved the what if comics like yeah. it's one of the few things that i will pick up sight unseen if there's a new what if comic i'm reading it because more often than not it's at least enjoyable <laughs> but there is definitely something wrong when your what if comic is actually better than the comic that it's riffing on yeah significantly better yeah um did you read the second part of the superior spider-man with the uh, spider slayer stuff I think I read the third part. I didn't read the third part yet. Okay. So I'm still waiting on reading that one, but I read the issue number 12, which is, again, this is things are going from bad to worse kind of thing. And uh, he's it, it, it almost looks like he's got every avenue mapped out of if this goes bad here, we'll do this. Again, much more brutal. Man, when he spider webs the boomerangs to boomerang, it was like, <laughs> oh, man. Um but again, a lot more character development stuff for J. Jonah, which was freaking awesome. I did. Did you actually read thirteen? Yes. Awesome. Very. Okay. I'm gonna have to read <laughs> and, that. Uh, and just to to kind of cut in here, um, I've still been playing the the Marvel Heroes game. Right. They just announced today that they're putting in a superior yeah. Spider-Man costume. Yeah, I saw that. But it's one of their premium costumes, which has completely new dialogue from a completely different voice actor. So <laughs> it's actually the auto version of Spider-Man. It's okay. not just a new skin. Oh, see, I just saw the skin. I didn't know about the different voice. Yes. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> Way to go, guys. <laughs> uh, as you were. Go ahead. No, I said as you were. Okay. Uh, as you were. <laughs> a little too full of yourself, buddy. Um, have you been reading the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man with the Cloak and Dagger stuff? Yes. Dude. Yes. When I saw Cloak and Dagger... At the end of issue 23, it was like, oh, God, <laughs> they're finally in the ultimate. Because I don't know if they were in the ultimate universe before Not that I've this. I didn't, I didn't recall yeah, maybe either. Maybe in a background somewhere. Um, I didn't think so either because when you're reading this, there's explanations of how they came to be in the Ultimates universe. So, like, I mean, this is, yes, you're still seeing stuff about... Uh, Miles here and how he still doesn't want to be um, doesn't want to be doing the spider gig but this is really uh, setting up the characters for um, for Tandy and Ty for Cloak and Dagger and I'm hoping that this means that they are going to be again pushing for 
either a new series or a new mini series and send it in the Ultimates universe, man, I'd be all over that. This was freaking awesome. Again, yeah. give Bendis credit where he deserves it. He can make these characters interesting and fun to read. And that's what he did here. Even though there's very little miles, this was phenomenal. Yeah, because how many times have we seen them show up in the regular comics over the last several years? And it's just, it hasn't really had that hook. This this brings the characters back to where, you know, they always should have been. Well, not just that, but it's it's also kind of a fresh start because I agree mm-hmm. with you. Like every time, and I, I'd have to go back and reread a lot of the original stuff to see if it does hold or not. Uh, because when I when I read it then, I recall, like, I really, really loved the Cloak and Dagger series. I had the, the mini series when they first came out, and then I had the actual series. If they appeared somewhere, I, I owned it. So when I've seen them appear in the regular canon as of late, I've had that moment of excitement, and then I read it, and it's like, yeah, well, that's not all that good now. So, but here, this one here, it, the entire issue, I thought, was actually really well handled, enough so that I'm hoping that they're going to push more for a series with them kind of thing. And I'd really love to see what they do. I think that if, again, because it's being handled differently in terms of how they got their abilities and they're tying it in with the research because of competitions with Osborne kind of thing. And, and a lot of that is the ultimate universe. I think that it can work. I think that if they keep the characters, even if they do, whether it's a mini series or an ongoing thing, but if they keep it worrying other characters guest in their series a lot. So it's not just them, but it's them and other characters. I think you could really have something awesome. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll leave it at that. All right. So as for all of the comics coming out this week, and I mean all of them, once again, Marvel hates us because we have all new X-Men number 14, Avengers number 16, Avengers Assemble number 17, which is continuing the Enemy Within crossover, Cable and X-Force 11, Fantastic Four 10, Iron Man 13, Nova 6, Powers Bureau 6, Savage Wolverine 7, The New Superior Carnage number 1, Thanos Rising 4, Thor God of Thunder 10, Ultimate Spider-Man 25, Uncanny X-Force, I have 28, I'm assuming that's 8, What If AVX 2, and X-Factor 259. Superior Carnage? Superior Carnage. Hmm. Yes. Alrighty. And check out uh, the Superior Foes one. That was pretty fun. I actually, you know what? I'm halfway through it. <laughs> then we had to start <laughs> recording the podcast. <laughs> All right. DC. And again, I'm stretching here. We have Animal Man 22, Batman and Catwoman 22, because they're running out of characters they can throw in there. Wonder Woman 22. And if you really, really care about the awful Trinity War, Justice League of America number six. And from everybody else, Dark Horse brings us Dream Thief number three. Or, is that the one that you were reading or was that Dream Merchant? No, you're reading Dream, Dream Merchant. Merchant. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what Dream Thief is then. No idea. <laughs> Dynamite brings us the new Red Sonia number one, which has been getting a lot of very positive buzz uh, with Gail Simone coming on as the writer there. Cool. IDW, we have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villain micro series number four starring Alapex, which is one I'm actually really interested in to see. You know, we haven't seen that much about that character. Invincible, number 104 from Image, and Archer and Armstrong, number 11 from Valiant. So you have a wide range of excellent choices this week. No kidding. Okay. So, as always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. So until next week, thanks for listening. (laughs) 